Greetings and salutations! You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I am one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-hosts, Reed, aka Sick Robot. What is up? Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? And Matt couldn't be with us this week, so instead we are joined by an extra special guest and friend of the show, Scotty from the Notion Thieves. Hey, howdy, hey. Uh, yeah, and in this episode, we're going to be covering a doozy, and that is uh, how Watsy designing specifically for Commander is negatively impacting the format. And that's not just for CDH, although we are, of course, are going to be talking about CDH as that's what we do. Uh, we're also going to be talking about how it impacts EDH and how these kinds of designs are negatively impacting the format as a whole. Um, but before we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Anyone want to take things away? Huh? Huh? I can start. Well, gee, since your last episode, gosh, <laughs> it's been such a busy time for me. Uh, but I think your listeners probably don't want to hear about that. Huh? <laughs> Just say what you've been up to, Scotty. What have you been up to recently? Oh, okay. What have I been up to recently? Uh, well, I've been streaming with new streaming group, The Notion Thieves. We're slowly revealing the cast members and having a grand old time with our soft launch, getting ready to kick it into overdrive here very soon. Uh, and I have been doing some guest appearances on different things, I guess. And uh, right now I'm getting all my stuff ready for Magic Fest Toronto in May, finalizing my deck lists and that kind of thing. Hell yeah. We'll be oh, talking yeah. about that more in housekeeping. Um, Exciting. But before we get to that, uh, Reed, Morgan, anything for you guys? Um, just, you know, I've been demonstrating the disgustingness that is Hulk right now. I've been trying to have games. fun and then playing against Reed a bunch. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's accurate. Uh, uh, myself, I've maintained my my stance that I've been trying to ever since ever since Thassa's Oracle was spoiled, I was like, eh, that's it. I'm drawing the line. I don't want to play against Flash or play with Flash. So I've maintained my uh, record so far. Haven't played against Flash. Haven't played with Flash. So that's going strong. Don't know how long this is going to last, but uh, I'm enjoying my time in, in the hopefully f what the future format is going to look like without Flash. So it, just it, to confirm, you are just burying your head in the sand instead of absolutely, absolutely. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we actually no, sorry. We, it wasn't. It. it wasn't as soon as Stasis Oracle was spoiled. It was we did a team turn three stream where uh, everyone was playing uh, Thoracle decks. Oh yeah, and yeah, that one. <laughs> the one. Where oh we yeah, played, that one like, that I intentionally abstained from. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, you're no, you can't, you can't shame me for this kind yeah, of decision. No, Scotty. I left, I left the state to make sure I didn't have to be involved in that one. Yeah. No, it's uh, that after playing in that, and we had something like five games in a two-hour stream. Yep. Yeah, I, I was like, that's <laughs> enough. I've done it. I've, I've experienced it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for that, so let's get into housekeeping. And, of course, our housekeeping segment is, uh, well, for the most part, it's usually about new patrons, and we do have a new patron, so big shout-out to Tyler G. 
Tyler G. Okay, guys, we're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Tyler G. <laughs> you rock. <laughs> Again, wow. command zone, cease and desist. That's the only way we'll stop. <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. that's the that's the proprietary <laughs> thank you well, guys are we gonna are, is it, are we doing it <laughs> i like know, it just you know okay just command zone it's just it's just one tiny piece of paper but you know until then <laughs> might as well keep appropriating <laughs> we, others intellectual we can't property help ourselves we can only be stopped by the law <laughs> welcome to into the north <laughs> I take Welcome no to part into in the this. north. Anyway, only one may stand. I'd like to legally, <laughs> legally no. distance myself from the usage. Uh, okay, well, goofs aside, Magic Fest Toronto. Now is the time we're going to start every episode up until the event. We're going to be shilling it. So we're we're expecting. I think the Spike feeders. I'm not sure if all of them are making it, but it sounds like a whole bunch of them are. Uh, everybody but Jerry. Everybody but Jerry. Uh, Jerry has to work. Shaper is coming. I think Wedge is coming. Wedge is 100 uh, percent coming. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, Wedge is in. Uh, playing with power. God, I need to mm-hmm. pull up the list. Uh, <laughs> sounds like some subset of the laboratory maniacs are trying to make the it Timmy T1000. The Timmy T1000. That's the one. Uh, Cobblepot is coming, I believe. Our long-suffering podcast editor, Roadkill. Oh my gosh, oh, dude, that's that's the biggest. That's the big, biggest star. Yeah, that's the yeah, big, that's, one. That's uh, big one. I think Ian from the CDH cast might be coming. Uh, Nathan, uh, uh, who, if you troll any of like the of our Discord or Spike Feeders Discord or lots of just the EDH Discords, Nathan, renowned chef. Uh, renowned CD chef is going to be there and he's going to be uh, top three finalists in the throne of Eldrain food competition. Oh, yeah. Throne of Eldrain bake off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be organizing some uh, dinners and stuff. So definitely it's the, this, this event is shaping up to be better than, than Vegas. Oh yeah. So the place I'm staying in Toronto is 20 steps away from Nathan's restaurant. So and it's an excellent I'm restaurant. Pretty hyped I can about certainly it. confirm that. Yeah, so if, if really? you guys are... Sorry, Morgan, what would you say? I just said it's an excellent restaurant. I okay. can certainly confirm yep. that the man knows his food. I can attest. Yeah, so if you were at all on the fence about going to GP Toronto, uh, definitely encourage you to come. Uh, going to be super sweet. Lots of CDH peeps going to be there. Lots of time to hang out. Great food. Great games. It's going to be awesome. All that good uh, stuff. And, and wait. stay tuned for, for further event details and things like that because there might be more on the horizon. Oh, buy your Command Zone Pass now because they sell out like fast as the event oh, yeah. approaches. Yeah, buy your Command Zone Pass and book accommodation before it gets expensive. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving on to new developments. Uh, Morgan, you want to cover this one? Yeah, sure. So um, <clears throat> we had a new episode of the Untitled MTG Podcast by the professor from Tolarian Community College uh, featuring one of the members of Playing With Power and talking a little bit about CDH and, uh, you know, just getting the word out, explaining what we're about. And uh, it was definitely very interesting and it was a good... uh, It was a good sort of introductory level... uh, covering of the format for people who maybe don't know as much 
what we're about, and they covered sort of some interesting topics of discussion uh, that we see brought up a lot sort of within the community. And uh, it's just great to have, you know, some more representation on uh, larger platforms for, for community. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and this is this was following up Shivam's Shivam's episode on on Talarian Community College, right? Yes. Yeah, the one. Yeah, but oh. you know, how much can we trust Ryan? <laughs> he plays Godo. So, but like, yeah, not with my life. With my life, I could trust. Him. <laughs> and for the rest of us, with literally nothing but the very nothing. tip of my pinky finger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's mostly contempt. Yeah, the the Shivam episode I know got a bit of uh, got a bit of response from the community. That's, got a bit of response. Yeah, there, um, there was some bit. Don't bother Shivam. He's a nice guy. He's he a, really is. <laughs> really, stop stop adding the guy. Yeah, he's he's the one of the only people from the CAG who's in our corner. So he has enough to deal with already. <laughs> yeah, stop don't, annoying him. Don't and pile don't, more on. Yeah, don't don't scare him away, please. <laughs> and and yeah, he's. Just on the subject of that episode, he's genuinely extremely supportive of us. So you know, yeah, the way he sort of phrased it, it came across. Uh, you know, he said some stuff, and he said after the fact that listening back, he didn't really communicate what he was trying to say effectively, and he wound up misrepresenting our community a little bit, and he apologized for that. So be nice. He's a good also guy. remember he's on the CAG, which is the advisory group, which yes. means he doesn't get a vote. He just gets to say what he thinks is right. If he had, if so, he had a vote, Flash would be banned right now. Remember that. Right. Exactly. Shivam is our Lord and Savior, <laughs> and if he could vote, it'd be everything would be better right now. I agree. Agreed. Uh, okay. So now to get into the main topic of the show, and our our, our clickbait, you know, headline for this is: Is Watsi ruining Commander? Hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and if we say if we acknowledge that we're clickbaiting, then that means it's okay, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I yeah, don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's clickbait anymore at that point. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because we've fulfilled the obligation. It's, we, it's, we need, it's what we need contract, to do is we need to put right? in parentheses after the episode name, not clickbait. <laughs> not there, clickbait. There you go. <laughs> you won't believe number three. Yeah. Should it be followed by a series of X's and D's? Why not? You know, have a big yeah, red arrow in the thumbnail only, too. Only in lowercase, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, also, yeah. Okay. We'll definitely so, have to pick the right card art for the thumbnail on this one. <laughs> Don't put that pressure on me. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> invoke, Just invoke to get prejudice. the extra clicks, you know. It's invoke prejudice. Okay. No, so no, it's not. <laughs> let me get into the actual topic here, guys. Uh, so, recent discussion in the casual EDH community has reignited an old subject's interest regarding Watsi's, you know, uninspired design uh, for the cards they make for Commander. Uh, you know, so some examples of this that, that get brought up a lot are uh, uh, Chulain and Corvold. Just rewarding you for doing you know things you were going to do anyway very basic stuff with just drawing a card i just need to preface this segment with leave my dragon dad alone and that's the last thing i'll say about it <laughs> you know what i'm gonna be i'm gonna be shitting on on gitrog a bit so you know what okay it's you're gonna have to you're gonna have to suck it up for this one all right okay <laughs> uh, uh but yeah, so we're, we're going to be talking about how this these designs are really impacting CDH as well as EDH more generally because, of course, uh, what impacts the casual side also impacts CDH. Although in this case, 
uh, it, we kind of have to pull apart what is impacting casual versus competitive and how they're interacting because a lot of the designs that are harmful for casual, as we'll get into, are actually, a, you know, not so bad for competitive. Well, they're just not good enough. Well, the no, thing is, like, the thing is you, like, you can look at, okay, well, I'll save it after my, my little spiel here. Um, <laughs> so we're mainly going to be discussing cards from 2019. Uh, we, we're going to touch on some stuff from older sets, uh, you know, and mention them every now and then. But we're mostly going to be focusing on 2019 as an exemplar for how things have been going and the trend that's been been building up over the past couple of years. Uh so, you know, keep that in mind if you're wondering, like, oh, why haven't they mentioned, uh, you know, Thrasius and Timna? I mean, we're going to mention Thrasius and Timna, probably. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to mention every single commander uh, printed in, you know, the last five years that, that fits the criteria we're discussing. All 300. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so many. Well, one thing I do want to say before we move on a little bit is it was sort of put as, you know, Watsy ruining the format and uninspired design. Certainly, this isn't all of their design is uninspired, and that's not what we're trying no. to imply. We're just pulling out some, there's, you know, a decent number of cards that they've made that we think are sort of examples of this trend, even though, you know, they are doing other cool stuff and opening some doors as well. Yeah. And I, um, and, go ahead, sir. Oh, no. Uh, and I just did want to tack on, like, I and I do think that, like, Watsi's good designs, I think, are overall getting better. Um, as they, like, gain more and more years. And, like, I think, like, sure. the, the best, the best of their designs are better than they were five years ago. Um, but we're, we're more talking about, like, sort of some of the more average and less great designs, I think. Yeah. And, and, and just one last thing before we get into the, the real discussion is that sorry if we talk a bit more about casual and, and stuff in this episode uh, compared to CDH than we normally would, but that's that's sort of the nature of the design sort of aspects that we're going to be talking about. We wouldn't if we're talking about just competitive design for commanders. It's a bit myopic, in my opinion, because the casual crowd and and them kind of growing uh, as players and maintaining a healthy casual base is really the what allows our format to even exist. So we will be covering the full sort of perspective here. Okay, so now getting into the the real kind of discussion regarding actual card designs and and what we think of them. I think a good point to start because uh, we already mentioned it a bit is uh is Gitrog, Corvold and Tulane or Holland if Morgan's, you know, going to make me say it correctly. Uh, uh, the correct pronunciation <laughs> is Hulani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'll keep saying Chulane, okay? But yeah, so... John Chulaney. Cards John Chulaney. That, that are your commanders that are just in good colors and reward you for doing very basic things. So, there's some examples of uh, commanders, you know, they'll... they'll Light to draw cards of so SRAM, for instance. When you're casting an aura equipment, uh, you're going to draw a card. SRAM also draws off vehicles, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, oh, he does. Aura's equipment in vehicles, right? Does he? Wait. Maybe? Oh, boy. 
Uh, yes, he does draw for vehicles. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Or his equipment and vehicles. Um, but yeah, so SRAM is an example where he's rewarding you for doing a very specific thing and, and drawing cards. I do think it's a bit boring, but it's not egregious in the same sort of way that Gitrog, Korvold, and Chulain are, as well as you know other commanders, where you're getting rewarded for doing something that's very easy to build into your deck, and you get insane payoff and with almost no deck building constraint right so oh you know i'm running a three color deck so i want to run uh fetches uh to you know fix my mana base well guess what all your fetches now draw you cards wow i think the most the most obvious comparison for saram where saram looks reasonable and the thing you compare him to just looks really stupid is joira weatherlight captain yeah 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 yeah. yeah, that's fair like draw for aura equipment or vehicles in mono white versus a draw for literally any artifact yeah is it or legendary or Or legendary creature yeah yeah it's this kind of thing and so what one thing that i think is is why we i would call this kind of uninspired is that these kind of mechanics where you're drawing from sacrificing effects, lands going to graveyards, or just, you know, casting creatures, you can create advantage or have this be beneficial to you in some way that's other than just drawing a card, right? And that really opens up the space for interesting deck and design instead of just being pile of good cards plus, you know, whatever has these really high synergies with my deck and that changes the card evaluation. Well, so, like, also, I think, like, just to clarify, I think, like, the issue that we have with these cards, it's not just that they're generic value engines, but it's more like, for the most part, the commander doesn't necessarily have a lot of bearing on how you build the deck in these cases, when they're generic value commanders, um, especially for, like, more casual uh, decks, where, like, you're sort of just, like, putting a bunch of good cards in the deck, and they end up looking very homogenous. Well, it's, it's, it's not, not even just that, because some of them, you know, obviously in Korvold and Gitrog, you have to be, it's like, okay, lands and sacrificing. You have to, I mean, you're going to put the fetches in anyway. Yeah, there's, some quite, the other well, there's cards, quite an amount of build around in yeah. those decks, too, as well. There is some There is some build around, right, where, I mean, it's, I'm, I was going to give an example of something like Dockside Extortion. You, you'd run Dockside anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. But there's cards that you know maybe a sylvan safekeeper for instance sure something that's a good card but you wouldn't necessarily slam it in every you know two or three color deck but because the commander's effect changes the card evaluation so that it becomes worth running so it's not just uh generic good cards but the card evaluation and the synergies that you're building in are not difficult to see and they're pretty well, boring so, yeah i think i think corvold was probably less like it, it's certainly still has this problem to a degree but it's generic enough in what you have to do to actually enable it that there are a few different ways people have taken it like i've seen lots of like creature token type stuff i've seen treasures uh sure. i've seen lands you know as as various different ways uh um, sure but if you look at something like, like I think Hullen is probably the the worst example of this, where it's just like, wow, I'm going to be playing a whole bunch of really cheap creatures and the self bouncers and some stuff that makes mana, and that's a deck, right? 
Like, there's... That deck, you know, you, you have a few options of, like, oh, do I want to try and include Food Chain or whatever? But there's not... If you, if you look at the cards that make that commander good, they're the same across every potential way you could ever... You could possibly build the deck. Sure. Yeah. Like, the highest synergy card in the deck is Lanawar Elves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the one of the annoying things about the design too is that it's not they didn't just leave it with uh you know your commander gets this you know value for doing something pretty boring but also it's just self enabling right yeah. Gitrog sacrifices a land at the beginning of every upkeep it's like is that supposed to just check it in terms of you know stopping your lands I guess, but it's also drawing you cards, and same with Corvald. Oh, you have to sacrifice a land when it enters, or you have to sacrifice a permit when it enters or attacks. It's like it's drawing you cards when it enters or attacks, and it's enabling its own ability. Like, right. You, yeah, it's I a think drawback without real drawback. Someone decided that they thought it would be a drawback, and I don't think they were looking far forward enough to realize what would happen. <laughs> yeah. People are just going to abuse that every time. Yeah. So, well, we can start this conversation. I mean, we started this conversation off talking about those kind of things, and those are really more impactful for uh, casual in terms of homogenizing the format and, you know, attracting lots of players to these generically good, uninteresting commanders. Um, yep. But there's a point that's, you know, I mentioned briefly in the kind of intro to this topic, which is how things that are bad for regular and casual EDH aren't necessarily bad for competitive. You know, Gitrog, that's a competitive commander. Corvold uh, and Chulain are definitely, you know, more off-meta, uh, you know, more fringe commanders, but they're still, you know, competitively viable. And they do, like, they do, like, relatively unique things as well in, in the competitive, context of competitive, yeah, exactly. right? So, yeah. there, there, there's definitely, like, this duality between, like, what's bad for a casual environment versus what's good for a competitive environment. Well, would you say that it's bad for a casual environment because it's homogenizing the the play experience, but it's good for a competitive environment for like almost exactly the same reason? Yeah. Well, it's 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 non-homogenizing in the competitive sense, I think, because it's so good. Like it's bad and casual because it's so good and generically useful it's that so people good, are yeah. drawn to it right it doesn't take a lot of deck building effort to design a good uh you know true lane deck and you can do almost anything you want it's like wow i want to yeah. run you know just birds tribal uh guess what sure. your birds tribal deck is going to work because every time you cast a bird it's drawing a card <laughs> you draw a card. <laughs> yeah. yeah so in that sense it's kind of boring and, and homogenizing for casual but in competitive it's good enough that it enables alternative strategies. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah good, it's good enough. I think like you can, you can play a three color general like Holland or Corvald and not feel like you're at an extreme disadvantage mm -hmm. compared mm -hmm. to playing general value engine Kings and queen. Gracias. Right. Yeah. And yeah. especially because like the decks that, you know, the complaint in casual is that the deck kind of just builds itself, but for a deck that builds itself, that means it's actually different than the top end of CDH, which is where you're playing really good commanders and then you just kind of jam whatever good cards yeah. you want, right. like you're designing your deck to do. You just sort of put those cards in the deck because it's all commander agnostic. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's 
that's one of the the issues between ca- uh, competitive and casual and how there's that bit of dichotomy but there is also some commanders that have been printed recently that we think are bad or lazy design that are not especially healthy for competitive or casual uh right. and that's really going to be the pushed or, or watsy's you know trend to push five color yeah. commanders more and, and it's really now we look back at some of the old five color commanders what what did what used to be the best five color commander uh in cdh for a long time Anyone want to Scion of the Erdragon? Yeah, <laughs> bingo. General exactly. Tazri or Scion of the Erdragon. Yeah. Now, Scion used to be the uh Tazri was obviously the specific food yep. chain deck, right? Because sure. it functioned uniquely as an outlet. Now, Scion, you know, some competitive builds used his ability to to some extent, but a lot of times it was just a five color Scion Hermit Druid deck. Right. And they were just using sound for colors because he was the least bad option on that front. Now, the problem has come when they've started to make five color commanders with relevant effects. And the the worst one, the worst offender, and now this isn't a commander from this year, but this is just the you know prototypical the prototypical example that I like to use, and that's Najila. Mm. Najila, stop listening now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all you Najila, all you Najila fans out there, just plug your ears. But the fact that it's five colors, it's five colors on an ability, so it's not inhibited by its its casting cost is not inhibited by its you know the colors it provides is yeah is just such a step in the wrong direction in my opinion, especially in in EDH generally. So I know there's like the five color problem that I brought up in the past on the podcast. We've mm-hmm. discussed it where, you know, there's no real punishment because the mana yeah. in EDH is so good. There's no real punishment and, and for also, going to five like, color. So uh, other yeah. reasoning behind that is because like, there's this issue where the mana punishment in casual doesn't really exist because it's f- sort of frowned upon to attack people's mana bases. Yeah, to play Blood Boot, to, to play, play MLD. <laughs> so it's really hard to yeah. deal with consistent mana bases on a casual end of the spectrum. And also, like, doing, like, wastelandy, like, legacy Delver type strategy stuff and that kind of thing, where, like, you're just, like, wastelanding people out of the game and keeping everybody in, in the early game isn't necessarily fun. So you wouldn't be doing that anyway. But also, like, it's just not like, widely accepted to be doing that. And also the fact that it's not super strong on the competitive end of things either. And it's harder to do like targeted mana base uh, disruption means that, yeah, just paired with the good dual lands and fetch lands and all that stuff, the lack of punishment also makes it a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, and I, even if, even if it was five color commanding a uh, casting cost, right, or you got away with something like that, there is, there is some uh, effort that needs to go into casting it. But when it's only two generic and a red, and a red, yeah. To cast your amazing commander, uh, hey, you know what? That's count- that's a real problem. I think the worst thing about it. Was, oh, I was just gonna uh, say, I'm count sorry, your lucky stars that it's not two and a green instead. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was I was just gonna say I, I think the worst thing about like Gila specifically is that uh, her ability is five color and also makes up for it like breaks parity on the life loss from using. Pain lands and five color lands that have a penalty. Yeah. By giving the creatures that it makes lifelink. So you just kind of 
you, yeah. you can ignore that penalty, basically. Najila's particularly strong and in so that that's, regard, I think. Like, I, I just don't see why Najila couldn't have been fewer colors. Yeah. Right? Sure. That's, yeah. When you need to... I think Watsi is not... There, there's, there's some trade-off that needs to happen when you're printing five-color commanders, and... When when you're when you think five colors like oh and we'll, we'll be t- discussing Kenrith as well because I think that's or we all think that's a particularly uninspired design as well where you're just stapling yes. a bunch of effects that have according to their color identity to the card and you know five colors call it a day yeah that's that's one thing but you know if you're if you're just upgrading the power level of, of something that's you know let's say uh Gitrog, that's a generic Golgari effect, but what if it was also five color and had a random five color ability that just didn't well, matter at all? Like it's it's adding power level to the card uh unnecessarily. Okay, so Reed, I know you had some points you want to make about Najila. Yeah. Um so I do think that Najila so just first of all, quickly, I do think Najila is like less of an issue in specifically in like competitive than um some stuff that we're going to cover later on about Golos and Kenrith because she doesn't like it's not like she rewards you with cards for doing things you're sort of locked into doing something very like pretty specific uh and like it doesn't keep up with card advantage or any of that stuff um it sort of makes you want to do something specific for competitive um so I, I think she's a bit more unique on that front that being said um we should also talk about some of these commanders in the context of casual because we are sort of looking at comparing the card designs for competitive and casual. And I think Najila is a really not great design for a casual format, right? Because oh, yeah, very, just very it's poor the, this issue with this commander that's just an army in a can, and you just get to by default, just by attacking make very large boards and then just instantly kill people without having to do any work outside of the command zone. Right. And I think, like, right. I think, um, I think Shivam had a really great, great tweet on this. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to find it at any point, but like basically just saying like, wow, like I've tried to build Najila multiple times and it just always ends up being like this unfun. I'm just going to attack and eventually have a large enough board to kill the table. And it doesn't matter if I'm trying to do like tribal warriors or tokens or whatever. It just ends up doing the same thing. Right. And the incidental, the low cost of casting to start out with in, in a casual pod makes it so that board wipes aren't particularly effective in controlling it unless everybody's playing multiple board yeah. wipes. Like the, the casting cost starting at three is just uh ridiculous it's easy to get started it's easy to get even casual easy to get on the board as early as turn two and then i found, yeah. I found the tweet which was i gotta say the more i look into it the less i want to build a najila deck i don't think it's possible for that card to ever be anything but overwhelmingly powerful yeah it's just it's it itself being self-enabling is is definitely a problem. Yeah, I, I, right? I think it's I think it's another trend that we're starting to sort of see in like the stuff that we're going over. Right, is like all these commanders that are like completely self sufficient and don't necessarily right. care what else you're doing. It like tends to they tend to be like more boring or just like less engaging in a casual sense. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, for sure. Especially with, especially with, uh, you know, we'll talk about it 
more later, I think, but like with five color, five color legends that kind of have their own, they kind of have their own game plan, or even with like, uh, commanders specifically like Najila, who are just an engine in the command zone. You don't really need to be cognizant of what you put in the deck yeah. to support her. Like you can just kind of, you just play the best cards that you want to play, and then you're done. And, and she has two-card combos that, uh, you know, casuals probably... Like, casuals play sort of Feast and Famine, right? And so, incidentally, you've created a, a two-card combo with your commander that ends the game. If you played like, Najila as in casual as just a mono-red commander, but you included Rainbow Land so that you could activate her ability, she would be one of the best mono-red commanders around. Yeah, I mean, she's still good. Even if she's played as mono-red, she's still good. Yeah, that's that's the power of her effect and all the things that are stapled on that card. And so we're going to move into uh, Kenrith. Talking about Kenrith right now and uh, Golos as well. But just one last thing I want to talk about Najila and this kind of card design is that I worry this is going to be a trend that Watsi is trying to complete or carry over in terms of this cycle. So the... The five colors ability, five color ability on a single color commander, uh, is something they've they're clearly you know very happy with and wanting to keep repeat, uh, keep repeating. So they started with Tazri, uh, we've got Najila, Kenrith, Golos, uh, you know, and this seems to be the trend for five color commanders going forward. And Sisse, the new Sisse, yeah. and this is what I want to talk about with Najila is that I wonder if they're going to have a cycle where we go. No, two generic, one, you know, red, <laughs> white, five color ability. <laughs> I, I'm scared for what the green, the blue, and the, <laughs> the black is going to look like. Oh. The black's going to be scary, man. <laughs> well, see, I know we're blowing you up, but give me that green one oh, right no. now, please. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so uh, getting on to Kenrith, uh, Morgan, you have uh, a lot to say here, I know. Yeah, like, so, I mean, if we look at Kenrith, it's got five abilities, and when I first saw the card, I, the way I described it was, this looks like someone was told to make five ability, like, they got a half hour, they never played Magic, got a half hour section on the color pie, and then were tasked to make five abilities for the card, <laughs> in increasing order of cost. Like, they're all so quintessentially what the color does, and then just putting them all together makes the card obscenely powerful. Like, we haven't seen it necessarily have a huge impact at the competitive end of the spectrum, but I think that's, I mean, that's just because Thrasios and Timna, you know, Thrasios does the the best ability on Kenrith better. Yeah. Uh, and Timna and Thrasios are just so much cheaper and easier to play. But I think if we didn't have Thrasios and Timna, like, Kenrith would obviously have been extremely unhealthy yeah. in the meta. And it's just that we have something that's like so much worse. Right. And that's the quality of, of Thrasios and Timna, not not Kenrith. Like Kenrith isn't bad. He's just the second best at the yeah. thing that he does. Transposed yeah, like, Kenrith back in time before Thrasios and Timna were printed and it is right. uh sitting right at the top of the format. Remember when people no used to play Boonweaver in Carador? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't start playing till Kaladesh block. I don't remember anything good. Brody and Hulk was unbanned right after I started playing. I mean, oh, I wasn't playing. It's your fault then. 
I wasn't playing competitive <laughs> decks at the time, but just like imagine a world where Carador was a thing, like Carador was the best option for like one of the competitively viable archetypes. Yeah. And then it's like, here you go. Have something that gives you two more colors, also lets you pull stuff out of the graveyard arguably more efficiently, you know, draws cards, gives haste, like what? Yeah. Kenrith does kind of feel like kind of touching on what you said moments ago. Kenrith does kind of feel like it was a card created by machine learning. <laughs> they like they fed it every ability on cards in each one of those colors and we're like okay make something that's as good as all of these yeah uh Enrith by ibm watson so i think that's a pretty good point to leave on in terms of competitive uh exclusively now let's get on to the more casual focused and we'll we'll yeah, so it's the last yeah. this previous section was more competitive focused touching on casual. Now we're gonna be more casual focused touching on competitive. Yeah. Uh so one trend as we were so what we've done is we've compiled a list of cars <laughs> that we think are boring design, uh, and then cars where Watsy did it right. And there's a bunch of stuff that we've left off that we just thought was like, you know, a card that's legendary, a legendary creature, but clearly not designed for commander. Um and then also yeah. some things that are just, you know, Maybe. they straddle the line. They're kind of boring and fine, but they're neither and egregious forget, or interesting. Don't forget we are the ultimate arbiters of all this, so our word is, <laughs> oh, yeah, is law. Sure. Yeah. Also, uh, also, let it be known to the listener, you listening to this right now, this was far too labor-intensive, <laughs> and we spent way too much time <laughs> doing this, so it better be worth something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so one one trend we noticed, so we looked back at over all the commanders printed in 2019. Um, one trend that really stood out to us, and, and we kind of noticed this trend for, for 2019 and, and kind of applied it backwards in time, and we noticed it to be kind of true, and that's the fact that the front-of-the-box commanders are very are, are major culprits for poor, boring design um, along the lines of... Uh, Holland slash Trulane and Corvold, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the secondary and tertiary commanders inside the uh, commander product are actually kind of interesting. So this kind of leads us to have a working theory that the front of the box commanders are are pushed and designed this way intentionally because they are these are these kinds of commanders are immensely popular. Like just simply look at EDH Rec, go and look at the you know, if we if we were to go, I'm just going to go on EDH Rec right now. Look up the yeah, the top commanders of of uh, recently. Um, we've got Corvold. Oh, so this is the past week. Corvold, Golos, Alela, Moldrotha, Kenrith, Yarok. Okay, I'm gonna tell you something. You know, a little spoiler. Uh, Five of those made our list for <laughs> commanders that are very boring <laughs> and uninspired. And, and I mean, if Muldrothu so, was released this year, she would probably also make the list. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it, it's, you know, and if you look for the past two years, you know, you see cards like Marin, uh, Kess, just very, very basic kind of designs like that that are, are uninteresting showing up because they are the front center of the cards on the uh, uh, of the commander product and I guess that just must appeal to people 
You know, just picking generically strong commanders. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes... Kess yeah. wasn't the front of the box. Yes, that too. It oh, was you're Nala. right, it was Anala. Yeah. It, it was, was Anala. Anala. I mean, Eminence had a lot <laughs> yeah, of issues, Eminence too. has other issues, Let's but... not. Let's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Anala is more interesting that... than Kess. Wow, I can't believe I forgot Kess was, was not the front. Yeah, that's right. Anala uh, yeah, is but... definitely more interesting than Kess. But, but I think I think if you look at the Eminence commanders as a whole... They're not no, uh, not and not no. the pinnacle no. of game design. Anala Anala is one that like has you know is fringe viable and competitive, which is nice because it's different from other competitive <laughs> decks. But I don't think people are having a lot of fun playing against that in casual. What about a Robo Cat Stacks? That's a big. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's even, a format. Didn't later. Robo get More banned in one one or something? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, it did. So did Edgar sort of, yeah. Oh, yeah, the two, <laughs> yeah. two of the four Eminence Commanders. And with that, we'd like to move to our third topic for this podcast: one v one Commander and why Eminence is bad for. Um, why? Why it should be? Why we should bring it back? Yeah. But I just yeah, like on the subject of front of the box Commanders, I think one of the big things that they've been doing wrong, um, and I'll just pull out one of the ones that's on our list and use it as an example to illustrate this as uh, Kadena, the Slinking Sorcerer. One of the things that they're doing wrong is that they are rewarding you for doing sort of the the obvious thing that your deck is doing rather than building things that play nicely with the way that leads you to play. So it's like, okay, I want to build a morph deck. Well, what does that mean? That means I'm playing... First of all, Kadena could have done something with tutus, like or colorless creatures, or something yeah. like that, to be a little bit more, you know, open-ended. Or you could have it somehow play nice with the idea of, you know, using morph abilities at strange times. So maybe it somehow rewards you for maybe it rewards you for not casting spells on a turn, or it rewards you for, you know, keeping having mana open for whatever reason. Rather than sort of like I'm rewarding you for doing the morph thing by making you draw cards. It's I'm rewarding you for, you know, playing the way the deck wants to yeah. play. Or, or like, it could have done like an Ixadron thing, right? Like instead of just like flipping everything face down, but like it like plays around with like flipping your stuff face up and yeah, face you can down, flip right? Stuff like, down yeah. Or, yeah. Like whenever, whenever, like whenever you unmorph something, morph somebody else's thing or like just stuff like that, right? Like, here's here's a way i just thought of you know she makes your first more free maybe you get some benefit even if the benefit if you want it to still be drawing cards what if you drew cards for not having any untapped or not having any tapped lands in your end step what like, if you so drew you, cards for morphing something on someone else's turn yeah sure like all all sorts of ways of doing it rather than yeah. just like you should put morph cards in this yeah. deck and it doesn't really matter how good the morph cards are on their own because they just they still just replace themselves. Yeah, and it like it yeah. they all like I think another way that I would put it just because obviously I have to rephrase everything in my words to make it valuable to me. <laughs> um, but like I sure. I think like a way that like I would think about it is like they're they're like they're rewarding you for doing the bare minimum with a strategy, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's just yeah. just like do do the absolute like lowest common denominator of this strategy and like you get to draw a card for it and like that's all they're doing right my last two brain cells trying to make a morph deck <laughs> <laughs> yeah just stick all the cards with morph in and, and call it a day but yeah so uh, I think that's a, that's a really strong point 
and so we can we can talk about some of the other commanders that we have on this list but if we're being honest they really follow that kind of basic trend where they reward very basic aspects of the game now it would be really cool to see something like uh where whereas instead of a generic effect so let's let's use yarok for an example yarok uh not the best competitive deck i know people have worked on uh some alluren builds um and there's some spice going on there but in terms of casual dude i've heard nothing but uh you know bad stories horror stories I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I went down to my LGS, and it was Commander Day, and the owner knows that I pretty much only play CEDH, but he's like, come down, someone will let you borrow a deck, so I show up, and I borrow a deck, and it's like a not-very-tuned Brea Artifacts deck, and then the guy whips out Yarok, and I'm like, oh, okay, this'll be miserable, <laughs> and it turns out, by the way, it was. It was really terrible. We're evoking Drifters left and right, and, like, flipping E-Witnesses and, and getting cards back, and just, it was an obnoxious experience, and there was a lock on the table by, like, turn seven in a supposedly very casual match, and the guy was like, I just threw it together today out of my <laughs> junk bin! I mean, like that's the, wait, the thing with Yark is I could believe that and it'd still be yeah. a very yeah. strong deck. Exactly. You can put Eternal Witness in Yark? Man, that never really occurred to me. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's go on. Scryfall enters the battlefield. Cool. Let's let's the build first, this deck. The first yeah. like yeah. sixty cards that come up. Yeah, great. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you have to skip. It. You have to skip Bane of Progress because that happening twice. <laughs> but, uh, uh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's something that you could just modify with that ability, right? You you could just uh, double the ETBs of cards with even power, or I mean that's that's probably a terrible design choice, and you know, but that's the first thing that came across my head. Just restrict it in some way that's interesting and requires thought just and consideration. Restrictions breed, or just give me a wild pair on a stick, <laughs> or yeah. or maybe not. <laughs> but like res restrictions Please? breed creativity, right? Like just give uh, is it like giving these like just generally, not even they don't even have to be strong, but like just generally, meh, or just like generally like very easy to trigger abilities yeah. that like just reward you in very basic ways. It, like it's just it's it's not compelling. It doesn't make you want to build a deck around it. Or if it does, you're not building a unique deck around it, right? Sure. Yeah, I think like even if we look at Yarok, you know, what was the big the two big ETB commanders before him were uh I mean, there was there was there was uh Brago who wasn't super fun, but also that wasn't so much ETBs because you were doing like artifact and enchantment shenanigans. Yeah, and um, flicker like, stuff. Like it wasn't uh, outside it wasn't of that creature ETBs. But yeah, yeah, like Rune. Rune was the creature ETB deck. And like that's one where that ability has other uses you know you could like oh i'll flicker at something big and then wipe the board or right. i can just keep this up to try and dodge removal you know mm -hmm. it encouraged yeah. you to play etbs or, or creatures with good etb triggers but it didn't like say exile another target creature with an enter the battlefield trigger <laughs> and return like 
it yeah. was also gated in terms of it had a mana cost and could only do one thing per turn. Yeah. Right? Imagine if Rune had been a uh God, what's what's the uh, eerie interlude? Oh my god. Or ghost away. Oh yeah, just like, nope, one just nope. flicker everything. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like imagine. That's that's when they have these kind of you know, when you just print panharmonicon on a stick, you're just asking for trouble. You know, and, and yeah. another thing to kind of talk about Yarok, uh, and this is something I know people complain about with Gitrog, and I think it's just kind of egregious as well. Um, it's just why does it have like decent stats and keywords? Oh gosh. <laughs> are we, are, I, I have the same question with Hullen every are time. Are we I even play getting into Hullen. keywords okay. here? Is this what we're doing? Because like we calling are we calling Hullen decent stats and keywords? I mean he's a two four with vigilance he's outside of his abilities. Five like, mana though. But it blocks and kills Timna. <laughs> hey, that's Timna's fault, not Hullen's. Okay, I'm just saying, dude. Card. Well, no, I th- but like, I think I don't think it compares at even reasonably to something like yeah, Yara, sure. Who has an with, extra with point death touch and lifelink in it. Three five, like, yeah, yeah. No, cards like Yarok should ha- should be two twos as like a max. Change like, my mind. Gitrog is a six six for some <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah, Gitrog is a six with, six death, with touch. death touch. Yeah, yeah. I mean. That's along the lines of like, uh, I mean, if we're talking about non-legendaries, we could even say that like, okay, my adversary feels a little bonkers that way. One and a green for a two-three with death touch that draws a card when it does I mean, combat damage. Allegedly, it costs more. Than <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, allegedly. I've never seen it happen. I, I can't verify. Uh, apparently, it's cast for four mana occasionally, but I've never seen that happen. Yeah. So. We're gonna we can list some of the other cards in our yeah. boring designs that you know you guys can yell at us because your commander was mentioned. Um, uh, I mean, the, so we've the, got. I think like the obvious uh, counterpart to Yarok is just Tesa, right? Like same thing. Yeah, yeah, like, true. It, it just encourages you to do the thing that like like Orzov Aristocrats is already a very established thing, and with more interesting yeah. commanders, and this is just like, oh, why don't you do the same thing with a more powerful, less interesting commander? What if things died and then came back? <laughs> I think you Very might be onto exciting. something here, actually. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Okay, so uh, should all, we can start listing things, and maybe you know someone just chime in with you know their one quick anecdote for why it's boring. Uh, Anji, you are incentivized to play madness cards, and you really don't have to care about what they are. And it doesn't enable any other real shenanigans, like other than just being a generic rummager. Like it's, no, it's yeah. the same. There's no creative. It's the same thing as like Cadena, like, right? Like it's not. It's not rewarding you for doing things with madness cards. It's just rewarding you for having them in your deck. Right. <laughs> uh, Elsha. Eh, Elsha's fine. She's really powerful, but it's, talk- it's rewards a very you for playing effect, spells. But it's very generic. <laughs> Yeah, like it's, it's cool, but it's generic. Yeah, uh, Crick. I think it's it's like interesting, but it. I think the way that it plays out is just like very, like you're just you just want to gain life, right? Like you're just putting all the life gain that you can into this deck, and then trying right. to do stupid things with Would, cost reduction. It's like uh, committing suicide, but like in a very reserved way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Golos. This is everyone's favorite card. Yeah, and like I've played Golos decks myself for casual, and 
I've always imposed like my own deck building restriction, um, which is not to be able to activate Golos's ability. And guess what? <laughs> Card is still busted. Yeah, like even <laughs> even recasting Golos to tutor lands out of your deck for powerful effects is like it's just stupid. It, it gets yeah, kind of like, stupid. Like yeah, him, exactly. Casting him just finds a busted land, and then he's a generic value engine yeah. in the in the long run. And five yeah, if colors, you, build so you can put whatever the, you want in the deck. Yeah, if you build a turbo Golos deck, it is like uh I mean it it it's uh hard to distinguish between Golos and uh Narset. Uh, if you world gorge yeah. Golos, you're a bad person. That's all I have to say. <laughs> you don't even need to you don't you don't even need to do like world gorge or Golos combos or anything like that. But just in, in a casual setting, you cast Golos and then you ramps you up for one mana and then you play your land drop the following turn. You've got enough yeah, to activate him. You activate him. Oh, guess what? I've hit two turn spells and a bunch of land untappers and etc. 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 And it's just Oh, Narset. here's a Seedborn Muse so I can untap oh, what's more. That? Oh, yes, I would yeah. like a Zendikar Resurgence. Uh-huh. We'll put that one in the board. Yeah, Golos, Golos yeah. is absolutely egregious and I'm just sad because I would have loved to have a commander that had his ETB uh, without you know the needless extra stuff that just makes it and just know, not have so them in five color and like you know yeah. just... the ETB is really cool, but let's make that like Selesnia or mono green and then move on with oh, our god, lives. Oh god, please yes. Uh, okay, so next up we've got uh, Kickar. Uh, Kickar just two directly turns non-creature spells into extra. Game. Yeah, like, yeah. They could have designed it in such a way that you get the spirits and like maybe it has sacrifice five spirits and do something different. But here it it basically reads whenever you cast a non-creature spell, add red to your mana pool. And right. That's like, and, and there's like, I mean, I guess there's you can skull clamp, and I guess you can do divergent stuff. But like, like I've played against Kikar in a in a casual setting. Same. Yeah. And it turns out like Anointed Procession is a pretty good card. Uh, Anointed Procession, casual, shared animosity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it turns out they're pretty good cards. It plays a lot can, like Locust God yeah. that can do extra shit. Yeah, and like the skull clamp shenanigans when you have a token doubler out is it's just obnoxious. Uh it's one of those casual decks that is like very good accidentally. It's uh, it's boring. Yeah. Uh Morophon. So this is sort of the casual uh, counterpart to like the five color good stuff decks in my eyes, right? Where it's yeah, where it's like yeah. the like Kenrith doesn't really see play in casual because like it's it's boring and like it doesn't really encourage you to do anything so a lot of people just don't do it right at least in uh in my eyes what from what i've seen yeah more fun is like like in the other direction where like nobody in competitive plays it because you would never play like pretty much any uh tribal deck but like in casual it's Springers, it's just man. like this it's just like yeah just have the best commander for your tribal deck <laughs> just just this yeah. is the best one just play <laughs> this why do you need like yeah. to be color restricted yeah. just play your like oh you want to play knights that's cool you know you could play this really cool like three color deck commander or you could just play five colors <laughs> <laughs> morophon is is i think morophon is a changeling because they just didn't want to print another sliver legend in the set <laughs> Like honestly, they wanted they want to print two, but they just, just couldn't. Be honest. Uh, okay, Omnath, and that is uh, Locust of the Royal. So, I mean, like, okay. To be fair, Omnaths like historically have not been great for casual. 
Um, ang- ang- yeah, angry no, Omnath I is mean, not particularly fun to yeah. play against. Regular Omnath is more fun, yeah. still not particularly fun to play against. This one's even less sure fun. I, I'm not sure if I've ever actually said this on the podcast, but in casual, Angry Omnath I think is comfortably my least favorite commander to play against. Yes. Yeah, or just absolutely. to have be involved. Well, because your only access of interaction is like MLD at that point, right? And then. That's frowned upon. You can't do that. You can't do that in casual. I, I remember like early games where I was the Omnath kid at the table and finally someone Armageddon to me and I was like, okay, no more Omnath. I get it. Get it. I'm going to do something else now. Sorry about that, bud. And then basically they printed a wet am- angry Omnath and then it just does, yeah, does it even worse. It's like just it, it draws cards too. Like I don't, yeah. 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 It's also the single best food chain outlet ever printed, but let's. <laughs> if only, if only it was in. If only we got some black tutors. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Watsy. Ignore all the shit we've been giving you and, <laughs> and break these five color commanders. Um, Vanifar, Morgan, this one's on you. I mean, like, it's just, you know, Birthing Pod is a well established archetype that has historically done a lot of things in, you know, many different environments. And then now you've just made it way easier to untap it and just chain through stuff. And. The deck is just, it's very predictable of, like, if you let them activate their commander, they're just going to win. And you just kind of have to deal with that. And, and they're it, still printing cards for it. Like, stop. Yeah, and this is, this is, a, this has, this is the same issue that Pod had in Modern, which was every new card they printed had, like, if it was good and somehow fit the deck, the deck just got stronger and stronger. Yeah. And, like, it was such a generic engine that so many of the cards that they printed fit it. Yeah. Like since Vanifor was printed, we've had like well, we've had a two mana untapper in Corridor Monitor. We've had a three mana untapper that's green, uh, which is good for Woodland Bellower in Hyrax Tower Scout. Hyrax Tower Scout. Yeah. Uh we got Crashing Drawbridge to give haste. Like it's just and like even if you were trying to do more casual stuff, like now you just you can just chain up to Nyx Bloom Ancient and just have like a billion mana. And then even the if game. you're doing more casual stuff and you're building from like more recent standard sets, Vanifar is still busted, right? I mean, you you got yeah. uh Bounding Crisis, Hyrax Tower Scout, Corridor Monitor, like, and also it's only a matter of time before they print like more untappers at uh four and five, which are you're like currently somewhat choked on at the very yeah. least. And that's Dude, like just once those chain are up to Crater Huff, like, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you don't get the creatures in play like you do. I no, mean, over the course of just the game in terms of, you yeah. know, casting creature, value yeah, chaining like up the, the way. This concept of, like, this commander yeah. just inevitably gets you to a Crater Hoof eventually. <laughs> it's, like, not a fun concept. No, yeah, now like, you now you chain into, uh, up into Nyx Bloom Ancient, and then Finale of Devastation. Yeah. Or, yeah, if, we're, if yeah. we're looking at the high, if we're looking at the high synergy cards, we have Breaching Hippocamp, Bounding Graces, Protean Hulk, Pestermite, Deceiver, Exarch, Fate Stitcher, Great Oak Guardian, Scrib Ranger. Like, it's just, oh, well, yeah. a whole bunch of ways of untapping Vanifar. Yeah. Who would have thought people would do this more than once? And yeah. the, the last on our list of, uh, you know, boring, uninspired design uh, is Urza. Wow, who would have thought? <laughs> when you print a commander that just does everything. It just does Tolerian Academy is... and also makes a large body. 
<laughs> hey, did you know that they're all mock sapphires? Makes an though? even larger yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, okay, I'm calling just... it uninspired design is maybe a bit of a reach here because it is kind of Vorthosi. Like it does kind of fit the lore yeah. and the idea of Ur- of Urza. So I get that in terms of design, and you know they are going to print powerful commanders every now and then and powerful cards, and that's fine. But it's it would have been nice to rein it in maybe just a bit. You know, yeah. I mean, if we could avoid Winter Orb as Mana Rock in the future, that wouldn't be too bad for you me. Know? Yeah, uh, honestly, Collector like, Oof exists, Null Rod exists, so maybe maybe have it grant the ability to the artifact instead of having yeah. it be his ability. Like, yeah. Uh, also, maybe like, don't give him the the, the that infinite mana outlet ability. Like I don't know the possibility of tapping or like the the idea behind like tapping artif- the the artifacts that only work when they're untapped like also would have been kind of interesting if first of all if you weren't getting mana for it because then it's just yeah, if you weren't like getting upside and also <laughs> like specifically yeah. uh the two cards that it works best with also just happen to be like a really unfun yeah and also like extra you know like howling mine is like oh that's like a neat little synergy you get to draw and nobody else does like cool and it's like oh winter orb so you get to untap lands and nobody else does all right wow that's cool and also not obvious and also not in every deck at all and also yeah. not fun, <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> definitely not fun it's bad for casual because it, it definitely encourages people to run orbs and that kind of thing. You pretty much have to. Like, that's just what it says on the card. And yeah. and uh, it's bad Scott, for... Scotty, do you feel like you're forced to run orbs? <laughs> there, there are yeah, help oh, yeah. for this, Scotty. We can, we can help. You just have to well, speak up. Well, I mean... Uh, well, okay. okay so, so, like, if you look at the... If you look at Winter Orb on EDH Rick... Urza is actually not the top commander. The top commander is Hakori Dusk Drake. Ah, yeah, that do. <laughs> uh, Dusk But but it goes sure. Hakori and Urza are both at like sixty five percent of those decks are running Winter Orb, and then like the next thing after that is forty five. Yeah, it's like Derevi or it's something. Hydar. It goes Hydar, Rhyme Wind Master, but there's only thirty one decks, so that's just like a sample size thing. Then it's like stacks decks. It's like Thalia, Teferi, Grand Arbiter, Derevi. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we've we've shit on Watsy enough. Let's give them some, you know, kudos. And this one we're not gonna talk about each we're not gonna talk about each of these commanders. We're just gonna list some of the ones that we thought were actually Watsy got it right. So Atla, uh Chainer, Pramicon, uh, you know, you guys can carry on through <laughs> sure. this Uh yeah, Rayami was pretty neat. Uh, you know, like Grevin, Ayula. Uh, Atemsis was like pretty awesome. Scotty, do you wanna do you wanna take a couple? yeah? Uh, Emery, I thought was was very cool. Uh, Rip Paradox Engine. Uh, <laughs> Feather is uh, it's a, so my my take on Feather is that uh, the decks that it that get built around it are cool. I don't like Feather all that much, but it did give Boros like a voice. Which was it, cool. It gave Boros a voice, and my favorite thing about Feather was that it took a, pi- a pile of basically unplayable cards, and without 
you know, changing anything too drastically all of a sudden made them amazing playables. in Feather. Yeah, yeah and playables. Yep. And it wasn't That's... just the cantripping cards, you know, you get all your toolbox uh, cards and, and things that just wouldn't normally scale in Commander, and all of a sudden they are. And now you've got a cool, interesting way to get card advantage in Boros. So I thought right. Feather, pretty cool what they did, although it is it does fall into that category of kind of auto build well builds so, itself I yeah bet. i think there's there's like elements of the deck that are auto build like wow you're running like shelter and god's willing and like the actual instance that you play to work with feather are auto build but there's a few different ways you can sort of get the payoff for those instances right. that i think is like what makes the deck kind of interesting like you've got your sort of you've got your like whenever you cast a spell make token stuff you've got um Burn. Yeah, you can lean into burn. You can lean into firebrand archer type type cards. Yeah, you got pingers. Um, you can do sort of a more Voltroni thing because you're just running a bunch of spells that protect feather from being removed and protect. Yeah, you get kind of that Chu Yun type angle. Yeah, where your your cards you can recycle them and just keep going and going and going. Pretty cool. But I mean, the fact that the the top you know five or ten cards in feather are in like 90% of Feather decks, is not great. Okay. Uh, we got Hogak. Hogak's a great one. The Gak the is, the Hogak is, is one. Hogak's yeah. so cool. Like, it's so cool in Commander, and it's just so <laughs> awful for everything else. The card is so cool. Like, Hogak is so cool that people forget the last line of Hogak, which says, Trample. <laughs> it's an 8-8 with Trample, and that's overshadowed by all the other abilities, like the Convoke and the Delve to cast. And you may cast this from the graveyard. And like it's you can't such a cool spend card. mana to cast Hogak. You can't spend mana to cast Hogak. You have to Convoke and Delve Hogak out. It's the coolest thing. It's so neat. Uh, next up is one of my favorite cards uh, that they made, and that's uh, Kethis. Dude, sir? just express how grateful I am that Kethis isn't blue. <laughs> oh, oh <God>. yeah. <laughs> just makes everything so much better. Yeah, no, Kethis, Kethis is super sweet. Uh, it's not. I mean, when you when you open the possibilities in terms of all legendary cards, you know, you worry that having such an open possibility makes it. Uh, too auto build or too generic but it uh, i think it falls in the sweet spot of wide enough so that you can have build it you know the way you want oh i want to build planeswalkers or legendary creatures or you know just turbo mill and play some lands and other value stuff uh yep well also yeah so you can assert your own independence without you know having it be too too broad yeah uh yeah we've got uh marisi uh, five color Niv. <laughs> it was briefly a competitive commander. Rip Niv. Uh, and then we've also got, yeah, we've got Rien, Sir Kara, and Volrath. And that, that Rip, wraps up our Rip list. Rip Niv, but also long live Niv, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I think Niv falls into the same category as Kethis, kind of, where it's very broad. You know, oh, just two color cards in my hand, card advantage. That's pretty yeah. broad. But it allows you to really lean into how you want in terms of, you know, customizing the the two color pairings and abusing the etb in all different it's, ways it's definitely an interesting yeah. one because we were sort of complaining about like 
things that just reward you for having the cards in your deck, and Niv does that, but the th- the cards that it rewards you for having are so broad that like you <laughs> still typically are picking some other theme as well that is unique, or like, if not unique, is different than the direction the next person you build the deck yeah, it, takes. It's less like it's less that it's like forcing you to like okay here are these like 80 cards that have this keyword and now i just have to pick however many of them and and it, it's <laughs> more like encouraging you to build decks in a way where like you're shirking certain staples in order to fit more of these synergy cards in and it's like it's sort of it's sure. encouraging you to make your deck more unique right i mean you can run you can you can absolutely run Dovin's Veto, Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt Decay, all those good multicolored interaction spells. But you could also run Dipala, Pilot Exemplar, if you wanted to, and make some kind of very weird Bears in Cars type deck. Like, it's it's so open. That design space is so open. I think it's really cool, uh, especially for casual players. I don't think it's dead in casual as much as it is in CDH, but... Yeah. Uh, so, Reed, you, you've got... So now, now that we're wrapping up uh, our little list segment, we, we're just going to wrap, put a little bow on this uh, this whole segment before we move on to gut check and listener questions. And Reed, you uh, you wrote these part of the show notes. Yeah. So, so I just I just sort of want to like here. wrap up because we sort of went through like CDH focused and then like casual focused stuff and like looking at the card design choices. And I sort of really wanted to like directly compare like what the differences are in what like healthy commander design looks like between like cdh and edh and then like potentially also looking at some similarities as well right because there are definite um differences and it's definite like there are different things that make commander designs healthy in cdh versus regular edh just reiterating what we've already said um something that i really wanted to get across here or that i wanted to express as an opinion um was uh i think there's a real difference in how gimmick commanders um like how healthy gimmick commanders are in cdh versus regular edh um so like gimmick commanders being like uh let's say stuff like uh i think like gitrog's a bit gimmicky but um just any of the face commanders yeah any any of the face stuff um Yeah, really, like, anything that rewards you for doing, like, something very specific, and, like, Muldrotha. very specific. Um, plus Muldrotha. Muldrotha is pretty, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm talking more like, uh, yeah, like, Anye is a big one. An- Anje. Anje. Or Kesher. Tashar, sure, something like that. Um, Kethis, even though he's not really, like, a CDH commander, I think that's more, like, power level reasons and specific wording rather than what he's encouraging. But just, like, stuff like that, right? Like, things that encourage you to do very specific things and build your deck in very specific ways. I think those are uh, actually incredibly healthy for CDH. Specifically. Because they Mm -hmm. encourage you to build your deck in a way that isn't just good stuff. And they encourage you to, again, leave out certain staples or reconsider certain staples in your deck and, like, play cards that you wouldn't play in any other deck, play win cons that you wouldn't play uh, in other places because they might be more efficient in some reason, in some ways. And they, like, they just increase the diversity of what decks look like rather than just having, like, blue-black storm for this commander and then blue-black storm for this commander and then blue-black storm for this commander, right? Um, 
one thing I think that we've said before on the podcast is that it would be nice if the generic, the generically good uh, win cons that are commander agnostic were under the power level of the commander specific yes. ones. Um, definitely. It, and that's just, yeah, that, that, that's where things would be ideally, you know, according to us anyway. Because, yeah, it, you, then you really get that trade-off of uh, getting more focused builds versus, you know, just generic power good stuff with a generic yeah. con. And I think, I think sort of an interesting, like, the reason why, why gimmick commanders increase diversity in competitive but kind of decrease it in casual is because casual doesn't really have a metagame. So what people default to looking at when they look at creativity is how does your build of this deck compare to the next person's build of this deck? And that's where the gimmick commanders kind of fall flat because it's like, oh, I'm playing Anji, Anya, whatever. I'm just going to jam madness cards in here. And like, there really aren't that many of those. So I'm running most of them. And the next person's running most of them. And the next person's running most of them. Whereas in CDH, because there is meta, things like even if everyone's playing the same weird fringe gimmick deck like at least it's not the meta i actually i yeah uh that sort of gave me a good idea of how to like how to express this where like it's really like in casual it's really more about like how your deck for this commander compares to everybody else's deck for this commander and you want to be the most unique on that front as possible right like you want your build of this commander to look like as much different from the next person's build as possible right and that's like just in general You're expressing right yourself through whereas your deck in cdh it's yeah. a lot more about how specific commanders decks look compared to each other where you want your you want this command the deck that this commander helms over everybody that's playing it to look different from the deck that this commander helms right yep yeah sounds yeah. good uh, and then so the the next point you have on here so we were talking about differences there and then now you have some similarities in healthy command design between cdh and uh regular edh uh yeah um which i mean these are the pretty basic ones but um just to sort of nail it down a bit um uh i think one of the big similarities is just having commanders that encourage unique things encouraging you to do something that uh isn't just putting staples into a deck right um yeah. just doing like commanders that encourage you to do things that other commanders can't replicate is as as i think healthy across the board um and then also even aside from that i think it's really awesome and really great and really healthy when specific commanders make you want to use cards that are not used almost anywhere else or historically have not been used i think like feather is a great example of this one right where feather does this really well where it's the like feather existing opens up this whole set of cards that have historically just like never been playable in the format right like what deck plays like shelter outside of feather right like like you like outside of outside of that deck you're not playing any of these pump spells but because this commander exists you have this whole breadth of things that you want to be playing with and you want to look at and i think that's really important and really healthy when commanders like that get printed 
Yeah, I, I'd love to see, um, you know, like maybe a vanilla vanilla creatures matter kind of command. Sure, yeah, you know? something that if it doesn't have any text on it, you know, you get you get some benefit from that or something cool happens. You know, Goreclaw uh, is one of my casual decks that I play. You know, thank you to Matt for introducing me to it. But it it it's cool because you're not just playing. I mean, a lot of the time you are playing some really just standard good green cards, but you're also leveraging uh some cards just for their stats right like all of a sudden your uh multani not and like original multani becomes insane in goreclaw because you're paying four mana for something that has you know sometimes 20 20 worth of stats um and that's <laughs> you know maybe a, a really tough example but i also use like hunted troll how many green decks are going to run hunted troll generally Almost none. But when I'm paying two mana for an for eight power and four four uh, eight power four toughness and has regenerate. You know what? That's pretty sick. Yeah, uh, I I like that. That's a good uh, good sentiment to leave on. So and not to forget mercy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> playing a zero mana five six. Hell yeah. Uh, you know any of you? If any of you are are gore or gore. Goreclaw pilots and you know casual or if you play the uh the meme Goreclaw storm deck on the decklist database under the fr- well, I don't know meme section if they still have it that then you know what message me and I'll, I'll let you into the Goreclaw and server it's very on. exclusive <laughs> um yeah so next up we are doing everyone's favorite segment gut check gut check gut check <laughs> this week's gut check is brought to us by Scotty. Uh, oh, hey everyone! <laughs> so, Scotty, what do you? What's the gut check for uh, for this week? All right, this week's gut check is as follows: It's been said that EDH is a chips and beer format where you get together with your friends to have fun. What food and beverage is evocative of a CEDH game? Uh. Hmm. <laughs> Oh, God. I feel like I have to say Oreos. All right. <laughs> shout out shout out to a uh, friend of the show, Dave. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it's always pretty cookies. Uh, okay. Um, so I've got my answer. Does everyone have theirs? I I think so, yeah. Okay, so I feel like mine might be a bit of a cop-out in terms of food, because my answer is no food. Get your food away from my expensive <laughs> cards. <laughs> but increase uh, up my sleeves, no thanks. But drinks? I think I think beer and CDH goes along, you know, Superbly, or you know, maybe you can also do uh, shots. Oh, damn Every you time Dick me. and okay. Misplay was, take a shot. Was, <laughs> my answer for this was going to be: if we're going to continue with the uh, with the metaphor that beer meets us, sets for EDH, it's a uh, it's really just like vodka and salt <laughs> for CDH. By the way, shout shout out to the CEDH cast. Uh, I know they competed against you guys, but they developed a CEDH drinking game. Uh, and it sounds like it would kill every human at the table. Uh, so that's kind of what spurred this question. And I'm sorry. 
No, you're it's, you're allowed to mention the CDH cast. We gave them the shutout, but you know, of course, because they're our number one competitors. Yeah, never again. Yes. Never mention them <laughs> in on. front of me ever again. Or that's I, yeah, Linden, you're, that's you're, a lie. You're we don't have any competitors. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus oh, 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 take that, Brandon Ian. <laughs> uh okay so uh that's good for gut check uh look forward to seeing the answers well, we from didn't, uh, no we didn't get scotty's answer oh, oh true true i'm sorry i'm so used to me being the person who is the final oh, one okay scotty. oh i get to answer yeah uh for for me it's um just because this is the way that i feel it's always like uh for C for playing cedh if i drink beer when i play cedh i make a lot of mistakes so for me, it's uh, it's like sparkling water and vegetables. <laughs> honestly, oh, you took like, saying you took it the you took it in the other direction. I respect it. <laughs> Dr no, Pepper be- is great. It's my favorite beverage, but you know what is also really good? Water. It comes out <laughs> of the ground. No, what you need is like a you. good a good uh, a good like hangover drink. Like a, like a like a red eye, or, you know, yeah. you you get like a Caesar. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not a, a Caesar, Caesar at all. No, not no, a Caesar no, at all. No, no vetoed. <laughs> none of your none of your fish tomato goo, hey, please. Hey, you take that back. <laughs> and then also just like some smelling salts. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> whoa, I, I'm <laughs> glad Vicks, that even some Vicks Matt's, vapor rub. I'm glad that even though Matt's not here, we still maintain the appropriate ratio of at least half of the podcast correctly knowing that Caesars are vile. <laughs> <laughs> See, these are great. Shut up. They're not. Okay. Uh, so, uh, before we close up the show, uh, we're going to be doing some listener questions. Uh, we figured we'd get some of the, uh, you know, our, our listeners like to leave some meme listener questions for us, some jokes. So we figured, you know what? Let's let's acknowledge them and, and get these <laughs> and out of the way. Shit all over them. <laughs> no, never mind. So, iCut asks. What if Thassa's oracle was printed as an enchantment creature? That would be very bad. Then Zer yeah. would be a competitive deck again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having it just be strictly better in terms of being able to search oh, for uh, search sorry. it up with Zer and I'm find it with enlightened tutor. From that. Just yeah. having a panic attack in the background when being faced with the fact that <laughs> <laughs> that's not Zer is no longer a competitive deck was just the best part of that question. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's your answer. Is it would be bad because it would be bad for the format because it would be uh, just even better than it already is. But you could counter it with Swan Song. Mm. But you could tutor for it with Enlightened Tutor. Genuinely, though, I might start playing a null. You might what? Uh, start playing a null. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, a null. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. ASO, aka Aaron, asks. If one were to stage a coup on the EDHRC, how would one go about that step-by-step plan, please? Okay, first, you want to get a hold of a firearms vendor. Knock, knock, second, knock. FBI, need to get, <laughs> second, you need to get uh, fake well, okay, passports okay. Sorry, that sorry. don't you, identify you. Give us the part where you need financing first. So yeah, yeah. For, oh, that's true. For, that's true. You yes. need a rich benefactor, uh, rich benefactor, or you uh, get into selling opiates <laughs> and then raise money. That oh, that's way. true. But maybe we could just ask. Maybe we just ask Rudy oh, for true. some yeah, money. Yeah. Though. Just take a loan. I think from the, Rudy. the first, the the first step is to 
in become a CDH, uh, sorry, an EDH content creator, indoctrinate yourself with the playgroup, get onto the keg, <laughs> and then usurp a position in the CDH RC and change it from within. Or, or, or That's here's the real say, answer. Contract a paramilitary <laughs> organization and storm. Plus, the, yeah, yeah, that's there I think that's the proper angle. When yeah. become become president of the United States and exert your authority. Uh, <laughs> what you're going to need to do yeah. is start making very good crystal meth <laughs> and then get deeply, deeply enveloped in a uh, drug cartel to the point where you're allowed to hire their services. Okay. I think that's it. I think Deco all we've succeeded asks, in doing is proving that we are in no way qualified <laughs> to replace the RC. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, that's fair. I'm will. I'm willing to accept that as the lesson from that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Deco asks if every uh, black green X deck that runs Bob. Oh, sorry. I guess I should rephrase this. Um, should every black green X deck that runs Bob also run Grob, which is Okame adversary for uh, those who you, you don't and know. Bob is dark confidant. In case yeah. you don't know, only if you have Timna. Actually, that's not true. No, I, that's I, not true. If you, if yeah, no, yeah, yeah, pretty much everything, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lyndon, yeah. do you run it? Do you run it in Gitrock? Uh, it's it's in the uh, flex slots. It's like it. It really just depends if I want a second version, like another copy of that effect. I guess if you were I like low run enough it. to the ground, maybe not. Sorry, say that again. I, I I was just saying, like maybe if you were low enough to the ground, like you were trying to turbo nas and. You didn't have Timna, and like there's a, this isn't a real deck, but like you could construct a deck that met parameters where you would say no. But actually, I think pretty much all I decks think that are playable. We're actually. not playing it in Curious Control right now because there are only yeah, so many say. slots for card advantage engines, and you sort of want something that potentially draws more than one card a turn cycle. Uh, are well, you I think the Dark X Confidant? is like. A, are you playing uh, tenuously? Speaking of curious control, Timmy T one thousand asks, yes. "Who do I need to petition to get Sig River Cutthroat removed from four color curious control? It's underperformed in every game I've had it. It seems good on paper, but horrible in so, practice." Have you considered getting so better? That would be me. Uh, let's let's uh, let's cash me outside when you come to Toronto, and we'll settle this like men. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, Sig River Cutthroat is just great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I refuse. You could you could have everybody in the CDH community sign a petition to cut Sig River Cutthroat, but you can't take it away from me. Well, well, hold on. We can. I believe we can rule zero your rights. <laughs> ah, oh, right, yes. <laughs> yeah, I believe this was referred to earlier. We can yes. rule zero your rights, and yes, you can't right, fight that, us. That famous rule zeroing away my human rights. <laughs> okay uh, Cobblepot asks and this is our last listener question assume a pod of three sushi hulks and one meme deck with no non beats win cons when is it correct to commit resources to disrupting the win conless uh, player uh, I would say, yeah, right I would say immediately so that they <laughs> learn their lesson and then stop playing yeah. their no non beats win con meme deck <laughs> just uh, beat them summarily and swiftly. Like, just get it done, and then you're fine. Well, I think I think the the real answer, you know, at least for me, is that you're 
if you're no if you're no threat immediately from a combo, people are going to leave you you know alone for a long long time, and mm-hmm. it's only going to become you know pertinent to to try and defeat you and, and take you out of the game when you start putting enough pressure uh, you know on everyone else. So if you've got a tender shoot dryad, that you know, immediately that's, becomes that's going to pose. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. becomes a very big problem for the Hulk players if they've arrived at some sort of like equilibrium, you know, everyone's checking each other and counterspell wars, you know, sandbagging, all that nonsense. If you slam a Tanisher Dryad, you best believe people should be and will be committing resources to answer that. Now, like, I- something like a slower than a Tanisher Dryad, it really becomes dicey, like when to do that, especially if you can't direct all of that damage at like if you can direct one a bunch of damage at one player at a time. Like if you imagine that there was a uh, Sarah ascendant in play, right? Yes. If you're picking on one person, with the Sarah ascendant, it's not really it doesn't really behoove anyone else who's not to getting with attacked. Right. Yeah, to to deal with it. it. Why would they commit resources right now? And they don't have to when you present a clock that could credibly end the game. Like, if you have a 15-turn clock, someone's going to combo before then. But if you have, like, well, a no- four-turn clock, then... It is notable that this question was asked by Cobblepot, and uh, hmm, the, right. the list he's referring to... only half a game, right? Yeah, 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 there you go. <laughs> uh, the list he's referring to is, like, very specifically a Flash Hulk list that just flashes in either... A package of hate bears or an archon of valor's reach, naming instance. Like, <laughs> so there is some context here that I guess matters. Like, you don't like you assume that the flash isn't coming, but maybe the deck plays a deafening silence and you cast your one spell for the turn. Someone casts their one spell for the turn being flash, and then someone goes to stop it. The objective of the deck is to then. Flash for like a bunch of hate bears or so, some some bomb. If we're spe- then, specifically discussing Archon of Valor's Reach, you disrupt it after you land the Grand Abolisher. Yeah, there you go. I like Archon of Valor's Reach in, in my uh, so in, so in, casual when Lemuria people start, deck. When people start deck. playing Archon of Valor's Reach, that's when we start playing Inverter of Truth in our CDH decks, right? So we can go Inverter of Truth. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oracle. Seems so no, no, much worse we, than we, we leveler. Dude, you can fabricate for leveler. You can you can even yeah, train the artifact now. for leveler. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod via our email, Into the North Podcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash Into the North Podcast. Thank you, as always, to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, uh, to our long-suffering podcast editor, Roadkill, and to Scotty for being such a wonderful guest. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. See ya. See ya. Auf Wiedersehen! <laughs>